This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast. <laughs> oh, I think I just had sleep after. <laughs> in the middle of my intro. <laughs> Uh, it's a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. On today's show, listener Jen asks us to continue our discussion of obesity from the last few episodes, sort of. Uh, we're going to talk about changing the way doctors treat appendicitis. We're going to talk about the global costs of substandard care, health care in particular. Um, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend's unusual nighttime proclivities might be something we discuss. And we practice our teamwork. But first... Say hello to the nice listeners, Maddie Mix. Hello. Say hi, Nick Lind. Hello. Kyle Kinder, give yeah. a shout out there. Hi. There you go. And Dhruv Kathari. What's up? Welcome to the show. Uh, Dhruv, this is your first show. It is, it is. Maddie, as of this date, I want to clear, be clear, don't at me. Yeah. But Maddie... I don't have Twitter. <laughs> Maddie, is this is actually Maddie's second show. Her first show is as yet unreleased. Yes. Um, but she will be... Uh, Maddie is a MSTP student, so there, was a, yeah. there, there will be in the future a show dealing with MSTP things. Just wait for it. It's very exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there. I take no responsibility for it. <laughs> Whatever happened... Not my, not my fault. Stays between us. Not my Actually fault. not. It's going to be it's good. <laughs> recorded yes. and Whatever happens, <laughs> we'll go on the internet forever. <laughs> uh, once again, I would like to congratulate the M1s for such a strong presence on the Shortcode podcast this year. Usually, or so far this year anyway, usually I'm like begging weekly for listeners. Not quite, but you know, begging weekly for listeners. Oh, we need one more listeners. I, don't have, I haven't had to do that at all since the start of the semester. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. My first time. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That was so... I'll take it. <laughs> anyway, um, you guys have been uh, plugging away at the M1 year. Any new experiences since last I saw you? Hmm. You're talking about uh, your, uh, your experience with standardized patients the other day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a great time. Uh, I think I got a cold from my <laughs> SP, but other than that, that is uh, <laughs> very uncool. Part of the I mean, it was just part of like how realistic they it really is. They try to get you sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so know, it was very, you know. very realistic. Like yeah. I was seeing a real patient. <laughs> that is, uh, that is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, there are I, many. I got the full experience. There are many risks to medical school. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of them. Um, okay, well, let's get right into this. Uh, listener Jen sent in an essay published in JAMA by Peter Louis <laughs> Peter Lewis Loper Jr., a physician, uh, the electronic health record and acquired physician autism, um, which I think is his way of saying the health record gets in the way of your ability to empathize and emotionally connect patients um and it kind of dovetails nicely with our recent discussions on obesity and how physicians treat and react to it the author's story um is of his interactions with an obese child and a parent um 
And he says that despite being recognized for his compassionate patient care at the beginning of his residency, at some point his residency decided that he was unprofessional because he was delinquent on his uh, EHR um, data entry and record keeping and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, He blames it on his, he blames that delinquency on his poor data entry skills. And also he said he was determined not to let the electronic health record come between his and his patients. Um, but unfortunately, when his residency says, well, you got to do this or else we're going to call you unprofessional, which, by the way, kiss of death in both medical school and uh, residency. So you never want to come across as unprofessional. Um, he had to fix it. So he flipped his priorities. He focused primarily on documentation. And he, uh, because of his struggles with the documentation and data entry and all that kind of stuff, he left his relationship with the patients a distant second. Hmm. And he says it saw his he saw his patient deteriorate emotionally and physically. Now he's dealing with an obese, as I said, an obese child and a parent. Um, you know, he wasn't able to focus on them. He wasn't able to see that the kid was having a tough time and the parent was having a tough time um, helping the kid. And and you know, it didn't go well. And his conclusion is that the EHR is um, to blame. Hmm. So. You guys haven't experienced this whole documentation thing yet, and you won't until your um, clinical years begin, and then uh, you'll struggle with it like the rest of, hmm. apparently, medicine. <laughs> um, but I wonder if you have any thoughts about this, um, and, and you know, how, how doctors might overcome this. You know, I, I think you have to come up uh, with, and this is with any profession, you have to strike a, a balance. Um, you know, uh, there are a lot of very important things uh, with the health records, keeping good health records, and uh, that's going to pass on with that patient forever. And every physician they see or other provider that they see is going to use that information. So that is very important for continuity of care and uh, and it's essential for that patient. Uh, at the same time, y- you have to strike that balance of spending, you know, the right kind of time and and showing that compassion and empathy toward that patient. Um, at, at I, I think that's kind of the same with any any profession. You know, that you're going to have competing uh, values and competing interests, and you got to learn to balance those. Yeah, I've had two sort of relevant medical interactions um, in the past uh, year. Um, my my uh, my primary care physician is actually pretty good at this. I mean, he doesn't let seem to let the EHR get in the way. He can talk to me while he's entering things in, and and maybe it's because I know a little bit about how difficult you know, this can be. So maybe I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, not being like, why aren't you paying attention to me kind of thing. But my impression is that he does a really good job. The other relevant interaction is with an ENT that I saw recently. And he's an old guy. He's he's like clearly, um, he's been around for a long time, knows a lot of stuff, um, was really super kind and compassionate and just like a really, I was like, oh, this guy's this guy's great. He had with him a scribe. Yeah. Um, came right in with a with a laptop and a on a cart and was just there to, you know, take the notes and stuff like that. He was able to focus 
on the patient. I, I mean, you know, that's very cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, I can speak on this because I was a scribe for a while. Actually, yeah. Okay. In a, in a I knew that. That's why I brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In a primary care setting. And, um, I think what, like scribing is such a win-win situation for both parties. I mean, a lot of people who are scribing are people who do want to go into medicine or want to expose themselves to medicine. And there's nothing better than just being able to actually observe an entire interaction mm. uh, with a patient and with the doctor, seeing how that interaction is, seeing how the physician is, inter uh, you know, behaving and conducting themselves. Um, and at the same time, the physician that I used to um, that I used to scribe with, she could, you know, give her full attention to the patient, just sit right in front of him, and just have more of a conversation. Whereas, you know, kind of. The way patient rooms are set up these days is the computer is sort of in the corner of the room mm -hmm. and the patient has to sit on that table, which is like a little bit further away. And it creates like that a little bit of a distance that kind of like makes it a little bit weird too. like you seem like you just like talking and it just feels as if they're not really looking at you. They're just typing things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you were saying, it is a balance. That is something that's really important to do. But at the same time, on from a patient's perspective, it can come off as you know, just like this person's not listening to me. Hmm. Um, yeah, because they don't, they don't understand yeah, the yeah. pressures involved in, in yeah. the, the issues. Yeah, and I think one of the first lessons we actually had, like in our clinical skills class here, was maintaining a really close proximity, not really close, but kind of between three <laughs> to five, you don't want to be up in their business, yeah, right. but like three to five feet is like a really optimal range where you feel like you have that personal closeness, but you still respect their privacy and their personal space. Mm -hmm. And so I think having a scribe, as um, Drew talked about, is like ideal so that you can still maintain that kind of um, close patient interaction. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the, the dental college too. They seem to have. They seem to work in pairs, as I as I now recall. I don't know that the person who was helping was actually um, officially a scribe or whether it was a nurse or or what the deal was. But the 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 dentist was there saying, "Okay, now I'm checking this," and she was, you know. And they seem to have, you know, in both in the case of the ENT and the and the at the dental dentist's office. Um, they had a good working relationship where they could just, they sort of knew what they were talking to each other about without saying many words and thus distracting from, mm -hmm. from the thing. It was really kind of interesting to, to take in. Do, do uh, scribes work with uh, uh, individual physicians or do they just work with whoever they get paired up with that day? How does that work? Uh, yeah, so I can speak about the clinic that I worked at. Um, essentially, what we did was there was a scribe coordinator that um, sent out a calendar with all the different doctors that were working on a specific day. And there was a set of scribes, and you would say, like, you know, I can work on this day, this day, and this day. And there were four-hour shifts, um, just some things I really loved. I mean, this was in San Francisco last year, and I I also worked in the hospital on the side. So, like, it was really great to see that, like, dynamic because I was working in trauma surgery and then this was just family practice and it was just completely Very different, different and I really enjoyed cool. seeing that on a weekly basis but um so I would send them like okay I'm gonna I would work with th these doctors and sometimes like as you work more and more with a specific doctor you kind of get like what they want out of a scribe you, as a scribe you're sort of just like a physician's hand in writing like you you kind of want to do what they want from you rather than like, oh, you want this, like, I'm going to try to do something that you might want. Um, so some doctors prefer me, preferred me to like, actually, you know, fill out things like uh, actual diagnosis and ICD-10 and putting in, putting them on the medical record. 
some of them prefer to do that themselves because it helped them, you know, with the plan later on. So um, that's kind of how it works is like you kind of pick. But I mean, um, at the same time, I think I'm just surprised in my like that is not more prevalent. It makes me wonder about the economics yeah. of it, because after all, that's what drives a lot of at these least, things, you know, like, yeah. Does it, you know, I mean, the question probably is something like, you know, does it cost more to have scribes than it does to um, piss yeah. off patients and <laughs> yeah. um, doctors and have them do all the documentation, have them be up late at night? You know, like, yeah, well, I was I was a volunteer and everyone in the uh, San Francisco Public Health Department that was a scribe was a volunteer. Oh, okay. So Cause I, I know there's, yeah, you can get paid for it. Yeah, for you sure, can, yeah. You can definitely get paid for it. Um, I knew a friend who used to volunteer at or work at the emergency room and he was paid for it. But I mean, I, th I definitely think there is a lot of interest in scribing in general. And I really think it's like one of the best experiences that you can get as a pre-med really. Hmm. Let me ask yeah. you this though. Like were, were you ever in uh, a patient room and the patient's like, Who's this dude? Oh yeah. Why is he? Oh, yeah. is, is he? Is he a doctor? Why is he the one taking the notes? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so uh, how it worked was we would walk in the room together, and the physician would be like, uh, she would introduce herself. She'd be like, "This is Druve. Uh, he's is um, wanted to go into medical school, and is, is he okay if like he writes notes for me while you know I, just, I we can have a more personal conversation." That's kind of like how mm. it happened. Um, I would generally get kicked out of the room whenever there was a physical examination for a woman, uh, generally speaking, just because it sometimes made the woman uncomfortable or certain things like, you know, if uh, the patient didn't necessarily want me to hear about some things or, the, or that um, the physician only wanted to talk to her or him about it, then mm -hmm. that, that, that would happen kind mm -hmm. of, you know, like, um, and generally that revolved more around like sexual history and, and things like that. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, I think like one of the things that was most striking to me that I didn't really realize um, before I, I went into doing scribing was that when you're a patient in a you know family care setting, you guys have all been there, you know, you're waiting in the room, the doctor comes to see you, you know that they're going to, they're seeing some sort of patient before you as well, but you're mm -hmm. just sort of waiting. It was just insane to me when like oftentimes patients use their primary care physicians as a place to completely unload. Hmm. And yeah. I mean, I've heard some like very, very heavy things and you just walk out of the room and the physician would just move on to the next room. And that's where we would see her. It's like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know? And it was just crazy to me, like seeing that transition between just like instantaneously, like flip the switch, reset, new patient. You know, <laughs> that was, yeah. that was a pretty like uh, interesting dynamic. I didn't even think about before hmm. I hmm. did that. Yeah, I never thought about that either. Yeah. yeah. You know, one other uh, thing to add, just through some of the shadowing that I did, I, I uh, shadowed kind of a range of physicians. One thing I noticed is that uh, there tended to be a younger group of physicians that uh, were really natural in the way that they were taking notes while talking to the patient and being really efficient after the patient interaction to get some of those notes taken care of. Um, and I'm wondering if it's a skill that, you know, we can kind of hone through residency and, and hopefully early in our, our practice as yeah. well. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know that scribes are going to be uh, helpful or available to everyone, and they likely wouldn't yeah. be available in residency. <laughs> um, but uh, I think there is that gap between that older physician who is, you know, mm -hmm. not used to the electronic medical records and that 
you know, younger physician that's been doing electronic yeah, medical. I guess I assumed that this doctor writing this article was just a young guy who was, you know, incompetent with computers. And, <laughs> and you know, it could be, it could be different. I don't yeah. know. I also had a kind of question about the article that you mentioned. Did you say that he kind of likened it to like a clinical autism? Yeah, it's I'm, almost like there was a, something distracting him from, hmm. from the... Not clinical autism, but, you know, I think yeah. the title implies that the EHR just distracts him from being able, because of its complexity, because of his own personal difficulties with technology, yeah. it just distracts him from being mm-hmm. able to process and understand um, the emotional content of his patient encounters. Yeah. I wonder right. if he received any kind of, like... Um, negative feedback for using that word that kind of you know autism that carries a lot of weight with it like you know it's it's something where you know it being in the clinic not necessarily being able to work um, as optimally with your patients as a result of this electronic health record um, is something that is like kind of social and more occupational versus kind of relating it to this word that I think carries a lot of significance that has like a biological yeah uh, not the same thing basically yeah i was just kind of surprised that that was the word that he you know necessarily chose chose to use Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i don't know it just came out a couple days ago so maybe he's fired by now who knows (laughs) (laughs) that seems to happen these days (laughs) you screw up and you're fired he tried to write about it just didn't pan out well (laughs) (laughs) get it out there yeah well that's all very interesting um <laughs> thanks dave <laughs> i'm glad you're listening <laughs> dave's here guys is the is the standard of care for appendicitis changing you might be wondering is it i just had a, i didn't just have an appendectomy but i had my recovering really well <laughs> just this morning actually before yeah. histology lab um, <laughs> i had an appendectomy Three years ago? Three years ago. Oh, yeah. Okay. And um, a funny story. So I, I was in my office working and um, the night before I had nausea and uh, abdominal pain. And then th- throughout the day I had lower right quadrant pain. And I said, oh, I know what this is, <laughs> you know, and I <laughs> and um, and it wasn't going away. It was getting worse. And so um, at the end of the day, I went to my doctor at the hospital where I was volunteering and, uh, and he did some physical exams. He says, yeah, it seems like you do. Let's walk you down to the emergency room. So I walked down to the emergency room and the trauma surgeon on uh, call was the surgeon that I had been shadowing for like the last (laughs) three years. (laughs) And, uh, and so they did a ultrasound and they, they found that it was, uh, 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 I, I was a candidate for an appendectomy and, um, Dr. Murray came down and, and he saw me and he, uh, <laughs> I said, are you going to be okay with this doc? He goes, I'll cut on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, so actually we, we, we went, we went in and, uh, it, yeah. And then, and I told him, I said, you know, I don't, I don't, I'd like no narcotics after the, mm-hmm. tr- after the surgery, please. And they're like, are you sure about that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's not do that and then uh once we got out like i they woke me up i was like oh my god please yeah. can, can i have some of the like such a good idea yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like and it was amazing like um just narcotics yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 
Well, it was it was interesting because like um, I there was so much pain, right? I don't think there was a whole lot of room for me to experience any euphoria from it. But like, it, I I would describe the pain like a, they did it laparoscopically, right? So there yeah. were these three incisions along my belly, and um, and it was like these three burners on a stove, mm. and they were just they were up like this. And as soon as they gave me the medication, it was like. Yeah. And it just, and it shrunk Whoa. and I was like, wow that's amazing yeah but, uh -huh. and then and I spent the night there and um and the anesthesiologist when they were suctioning my mouth like caught my uvula and it was just so <laughs> swollen and sore oh my it was God. the worst thing. it was just like hanging in my mouth so like every time I swallowed like my uvula would just like go down my throat a little bit oh I don't God. think I've ever felt my uvula personally yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try to imagine what that sounded like when he caught it I bet it sounded like <laughs> <laughs> pretty much pretty much but like and, and uh so anyways i it, and i so i spent the night there and uh and then the next day i had i i, I had a a genetics um final exam like oh my God. yeah uh, like three days later and i was and and I, I had to i had to get to class and like so the very next day this is classic Med student, uh, yeah. pre med student behavior. <laughs> I, like, I live. I'm dying, but I must. Right. <laughs> Priority. It's like, yeah. like the last experience. class before the exam. Uh, I live in Long Beach, and I was taking uh, classes at UCLA Extension, which is like 30 miles away. And I drove all the way there and back. And like once I got there, my my buddy was like, "Dude, you don't look so well." I'm like, "Yeah, I just had surgery yesterday." <laughs> <laughs> just hold my bowel for a moment. Oh, wow. And I just like and and I felt this fatigue that I had never felt before. And I just realized like, "Oh my god, I got to drive all the way home." And so, um, anyways, thirty miles not might not be long, but I mean, when you're driving from Long Beach to L.A., that's yeah. uh yeah. traffic. Yeah. That's a that's a, could be a tough drive. I should so, have started yeah. this with anybody. Ever had an appendectomy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should uh, try out this new method that Dave's about to talk about. Yeah, just um. take some antibiotics. That's all you got to do. Now. I could have kept my appendix. You yeah. could have kept it because me and him were tight. Yeah. <laughs> well, all that, all those years dangling off the end of your colon, you like know, this, son, or wherever yeah. it is. I don't know if that's accurate, but anyway, <laughs> the point is that uh, a large randomized trial from Finland, which was published in JAMA past couple of days has finally shown that antibiotics are just as effective at treating appendicitis as surgery is. Wow. Uh, researchers have been finding evidence in recent years that this might be true, but this is the first uh, to address many of the sort of unanswered questions. For instance, did antibiotics just make short-term improvements for patients or mm. did they cure the appendicitis? And are those patients who were treated with antibiotics but who later did end up needing surgery worse off for having been first treated? with antibiotics. Um, so in this follow-up study, two-thirds of patients ended up not needing their appendix removed. You wow. could have avoided mm. much I, of that surgical... Your, your uvula my uvula. <laughs> would have been spared Yeah, Big surgery. Wow. <laughs> Man. I asked, I asked Dr. Murray, I said, what's the appendix for? For surgery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just as nature oh, intended. Yeah, <laughs> Those who did need surgery were, in fact, not worse off. They, you know, just went on to have uncomplicated um, uh, surgical procedure to remove their appendix and mm -hmm. bam, bam, boom, done. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Sorry you missed out on this uh, scientific revelation that might be transforming appendicitis care as soon as all the current surgeons die or retire. No. <laughs> Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs>
I'm, I'm glad we got to have that entertaining story about your appendicitis. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. 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 It, I, I was very entertained. How did your exam go? <laughs> uh, it went okay. <laughs> you passed the class. I passed the class. It doesn't matter because you got I into med school. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I made it here. Yeah. That's all that it's matters. It's a machine. He's just like, I will tamp down <laughs> this pain. Uh, well, in 2015, preventable deaths from the lack of high quality medical care cost. Gip, throw out a number. Globally, how much did it cost? $100 billion. <laughs> okay, that's one. That's one estimate. Anybody else care to hazard a guess? I'm going to up it up, up one. $101 billion. Oh, yeah. we're going to the Price is Right rules. Yeah. yeah. Here, I'm going to go good. with uh, $236 billion. 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 Okay. billion. Uh, $1 trillion. Wow. You are all very, very low. The number what? is six trillion dollars. No like, a lot of cash. When it gets to the point where money is that much, I have absolutely no frame of idea of I know. what that <laughs> is. Zeros, like, zeros, it's just zeros. like, I mean, maybe I've had like, like what a few I... dollars in my wallet. <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> a trillion dollars, like, okay. Like, As a I, med student, you don't yeah. have any of that in your wallet I don't even anymore. know like <laughs> what I would do with that much money or like what it, I just the comprehension, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. you, your, your imagination would have to grow that much bigger by 2030 when the cost is expected to be about $11 trillion. Oh, These wow. are the costs wow. associated for lost economic welfare. And I think the definition of economic welfare is how... Um, the economic cost for patients um, and their families. Mm. Um, it's believed to be the first global estimate of the economic cost of death from poor access to quality health care. Uh, the primary impact is, uh, as you might expect, on low and middle income countries. It includes morbidity and mortality of 38 diseases that are survivable in healthcare settings with adequate resources. Uh, and the number of deaths across 195 countries that would be prevented if those same standards of care were available everywhere. Hmm. Guess how much the cost is to solve this problem? Seven trillion. No. M less. Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. It is A lot less. less. It is less. $371 billion Wow. Ooh, to make significant manageable. progress towards <laughs> yeah. boosting. Yeah, okay, bad. it wouldn't <laughs> a good deal. That's a good deal. Yeah. 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 $371 billion? Not that bad. Yeah. 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 It's pocket change. Yeah. Yeah. We write you a check. <laughs> now, it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't completely fix the problem, but it would be uh, a way to make, it would be enough, according to the study, to make really significant progress towards um, boosting not only access to care, but the quality of that care. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you guys can do anything about that in your in your uh, future as uh, physicians, but, you know, something to think about. Get on it. Yeah, mm. we'll work yeah. on that. Yeah. We'll do Th better. This week, in a much more serious note, mm. this week, model and cookbook author Chrissy Teigen <laughs> tweeted her and her husband John Legend's Sleeping pill experience on Twitter, uh, as one does when they tweet. Um, I took a sleeping pill, consult your doctor, and John and I woke up covered in chewed gum. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Sounds like what? a good time. <laughs> she, How she, big was that gum? How much gum were they chewing? Like, okay, I can't even. What? It's a lot of packs of gum. Yeah. People do some effed up things <laughs> yeah. on sleeping pills. I started um, taking sleeping pills and I got a two gum pack and they have it. Right? <laughs> Where did the gum come? Maybe people as rich as uh, Tegan and Legend just have like drawers full yeah. like by the bedside closet. ready to go in case they want to chew some gum in the night. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I would. If I was that rich, yeah. I would have. Why gross. not? Well, yeah. Why yeah. Exactly. What else are you gonna do with the money? She <laughs> uh, doesn't solve solve the world we're, we're, health problem. Were you like a, a financial advisor? What what would you do with the money? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Invest it. Yeah. Ooh, in, gum. in gum. In gum. In a drawer. And Wrigley. Specifically, I think most Not a financial professionals would agree that uh, gum appreciates a lot. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I just don't understand what it, they mean by covered by gum. Yeah, how do you like what? To, to what happened? <laughs> Did they spell like, gum right? A piece right? of gum is like the, a piece of gum oh. is like the size oh. of like no. a dime. Okay. I feel like holy crap! I've woken up. Kyle. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think I, I think I, I think I'm seeing where Kyle's career on the Shortco podcast is headed. It's, a, it's a dark, dark place. I think the closest thing, not on sleeping pills, I want to clarify that that I've ever had is sometimes if I'm like sleepy and I'm just like want to relax, like I'll eat a piece of dark chocolate that has gone awry. If I like don't eat it all leaking off your face and like one time it actually like got behind my back and so i like woke up and was like something's brown and something's sticky on my back i can't believe i'm telling this story on this podcast right now but i was like what just happened oh no it was on how do you how do you fall asleep eating chocolate in mid-bite i was one time in the college semester that does sound like a medical school thing yeah actually and so it just happens not on sleeping pills once more just just a tired college student so was it just the two of them in in the house in the bed. I'm like, I don't know. In the bed. That's in personal. The house. So you, why do you ask? Well, I'm just wondering if a bunch of people well, are throwing gum. On. I don't know. I mean, if they're yeah, they, so, they're also if they're covered in gum, like how do they get off the bed? Because people. That's, I mean, <laughs> just like, let's just like let's take all the sheets with us, guys. Totally. But they have a cute daughter. I wonder if she was just like you know, parents are sleepy, just one kids, piece yeah, after another after another. Kids, kids do some weird things. Mm-hmm. That's true. I I, I agree. Agree, though Nick, uh, they probably should have investigated this further, but <laughs> yeah. whatever. Ambien, I so she doesn't say if it was Ambien or something else. But man, why is that drug still on the market? People yeah. are like doing things on Ambien that because uh, it's a good time could babe. kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so fill in the blanks. These are some things I pulled off of uh, ThoughtCatalog.com. <laughs> Fill in the blank. My son's girlfriend coming down the stairs at 1.30 a.m. with no blank and demanding I take her to get a Yoo-Hoo louder and louder. <laughs> she came down the stairs at 1.30 a.m. with no blank. Take a guess. No clothes. Okay. Fair enough. No glasses. Can't see. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Can't see. Okay. All right. Um, no shoes. All right. Mm-hmm. No baby. <laughs> Where's the baby? Yeah. That's good. No, the answer is eyebrows. She no, came eyebrows. <laughs> she came down the stairs at 1:30 a.m. without eyebrows. No explanation uh, given for this particular thing. Just uh, something you do on Ambien. Um, <laughs> so these are things on Ambien. Ambien. Yes, okay. her boyfriend did not like her eyebrows. <laughs> Nothing to do with sleeping pills. The YooHoo thing, on the other hand. 
Gotta have some yoo-hoo when, you, when you're on <laughs> Ambien in the middle of the night. Yeah. All right, here's another one. Um, I had a friend take Ambien, and we found him clothed in the bathtub with the water running. He was making a rowing motion like he was in a kayak. When I asked him what he was doing, he replied, I'm a blank. He then proceeded to stare at the wall and continue <laughs> rowing. What was he imagining he was? I'm a blank. A sailor. Okay. Yep. Sailor. Rubber ducky. Okay. <laughs> like that. A seahorse. <laughs> All right. Because, you know, that's what seahorses do. Yeah. They, they are row in kayaks. That's how they get around. They, they, they swim. Okay. There's a commonality. All right. <laughs> He's a bathtub adventurer. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, the answer is fish torpedo. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm a fish torpedo. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's creative. Here's, yeah. some, here's some ambient poetry. This was written by somebody in the <laughs> depths of their ambient whatever. Oh, God. So I'm going to try to read it um, as one might at a poetry slam or something like that. Mm. So just last look at the bus and realize the arrangements are far too cramped. We would never actually be able to reach in but for now just lying low watch the sunset which filters in so often off the sky bleaching white now at a temperature too harsh for any of last year's model of glasses we'd hope you we'd hope you all have them on if you want to keep your hearing but it comes <laughs> and it comes and it whisks itself and sometimes it's nothing and sometimes we're just whisked beneath it and buried under it and with the thousand tones of the system sliding towards you and the fear of breakage at the bottom, then the bowl of cement and water and parks bulges down onto the city until the tallest buildings are stretched down into it and in forced collision condense the thousand different cultures, the power faces you've never properly hidden into an unformed mess and a thousand oh. dead poker faces. Uh, wow. <laughs> Crunchy. That's a lot to unpack yeah. there. Yeah. Wish I'd written that, actually. That's, <laughs> that's like Nobel Prize winning shit right there. Yeah. That's, <laughs> sure. Did that's you share amazing. That, with Jason? I, <laughs> that is amazing. I was waiting for the fill in the blank. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> it could be anything. I couldn't literally, literally construct a fill in the blank <laughs> with that one. But I don't know like, that I could follow that one. Yeah, I was having. <laughs> that was almost just poetry. I don't. You know what? I do. I do not own that. I, I hope this person doesn't mind me, right? Because I would publish the shit out of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope she sent it off to the, you know, some literary journal, somewhere. Don't sue me. Don't at me. It's <laughs> my new phrase. I learned. I learned how to be young today. <laughs> don't at me. All right. Anyway, I thought we'd play a little game. You know. Medicine is all about teamwork, right? I mean, it used to be the, the doctor was, you know, sort of the lone warrior against disease and infirmity. And uh, these days, you're, it's more about working in a team. You know, you're working po probably in a hospital with a group of people who are all focused on one thing and one thing only, and you all have to work together to make that happen. Mm. So I think it's time. I think it's past time that I put on my health educator hat and we did a, uh, an activity that might help us get there. So, um, I've asked you all to download a game called space team it has the word team in it. So it has to be relevant. And uh, I don't know anything about this game, to be honest with you. I know it has something to do with, with pushing buttons to keep your uh, virtual spaceship 
together um, and not allow it to fly apart and that there's a lot of nonsense scientific uh, sci-fi terms in it. And But beyond that, I don't even know if this is a good idea for a podcast. I have no idea. I've never even played it. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll be the... All right. Oh, there's we're all, all right. here. Hey. All right. Now push this button to... Why we're still in the waiting room? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> oh, here we <I> am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Push some... Everybody push buttons. <laughs> push and hold. Who's the fifth person? That's me. Oh, hey. We oh, all shoot. had to do it at the same time, oh. I thought. Oh, that's the teamwork. Oh, that's the teamwork, teamwork aspect. Okay. <laughs> Sector one. This so. is already proving to be a learning experience. Don't worry. Don't worry the the ship. ship flies itself. Just okay. follow the instructions. I'm really bad at that. And remember to work together. I can do that. As a space team. Space team. Space team. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Space team, unite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, so we've got a we've oh. got a response spindle, a ribbon spindle, a grip hub. Uh, what is going? I think we're running out of time. Turn on the Turn on the gigabath. I don't need gigabath. Disengage the ether clapper. Somebody disengage their ether clapper. How about the poly? Who's going to disengage their ether clapper? Who's got an ether clapper? Who has any? Turn on the anti thing. Do I have? Who has a ribbon? Who has a ribbon spindle? Oh, I do. Oh, geez. Okay. 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 No. Hyperspace. Hyper We've got thing? excellent teamwork. <laughs> so it sounds right. like we just have to find somebody who has a the button who or has whatever button. it is. No yeah, anomalies detected. That's always a good I was sign. definitely clicking random things when I wasn't supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> Prepare to receive instructions. I'm ready. First rule of teamwork, read the instructions. Excite Set air core. throttle to full Set power. Techno wheel Set tech spine. Exhaust. Mine says regret career <laughs> choice. I got regret career choice. Set, tec set techno regret wheel to two. Who's got an air throttle? Techno wheel to two. Techno wheel to two. Set oh, techno wheel to two. exhaust Turn to maximum. Excite the drift core. Shit. Excited. Everybody shake. Everybody I, shake. Asteroid. I have to. Uh, oh, safe. Oh, we're okay. Safe. Okay. Somebody turn on the hydro mirror. Somebody also decreased the grid Wait, who said something about spine exhaust? I had that a while ago, but hydro mirror. Hydro mirror. Fuse. Fuse box. Ah, shoot. Hydro oh, mirror. Turn on hex stopper. My spine exhaust. Turn on. Activate. Yeah. Activate ecto punch. Ecto punch. Uh, turn on hydro mirror. Hydro, hydro mirror. mirror. Time shoe to two. Time shoe two. Time shoe. Oh, I have a hydro mirror. There it is. It's All so right. Cool. Turn on hex stopper. Suspend oh, oh, ion reactor. Something is Suspend breaking. Suspend ion reactor. I, I got it. Set <sighs> time shoe to one. Align fuse pod. Turn crooker. <laughs> Align fuse pod. Turn on pico throttle. No, I don't pico got one of those. I don't have the I think change our, no, light bulb. Oh, <laughs> engage micro latch. Oh my god. Oh, we died. Oh, we no. died. I'm so confused right now. Wow. I feel like we were getting instructions that weren't even possible. Maybe we can all take a <laughs> turn. Think, okay, too. so here's my theory about what's happening here. Um, we are all be, being given instructions for somebody else yes. yeah. to follow. Yeah. Yes. And so. so you have to simultaneously listen to instructions from other people and also issue your own instructions. I forgot yeah. for a long oh. time that I was supposed to actually read instructions and say things. Yeah. Yeah. I was <laughs> just listening to you guys. Okay, next time. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we'll go yeah. one at a time. Take turns. Matt, you're going to be first this time okay. around, okay? All right, here play we go. Let's again. play again. Play again. Okay. Play again. Bam. Get in the. There we go. It's like the waiting room is a challenge. Team Figure out the teamwork in that, too. Yeah. All right, sector one. Don't worry, the ship flies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> autopilot. <laughs> Just follow the instruction. Been there. This is a shitty, shitty ship. Yeah. That fly that flies itself but you have to push all these buttons push all these buttons i would rather just fly it i'm just saying that's fair all right here we go prepare to receive instructions all people. Right. maddie you Almost go first there. set enter tool to three mm. all right nope. done increase pedal lock to two mm, okay engage peta cistern nope. oh i got that Oh, we're doing good. Keep going. Oh, oh, uh, uh, kick dong boulder. Kick dong oh, boulder. I got it. Turn on Terranek. Oh, I got it. Oh. Enable flux rim. Okay. Uh, submerge ether duct. Yeah, I got that too. Decrease enter to zero. Enter tool to zero. Nope. Okay. Engage. A activate geometric wheel. Okay. I got it. Engage clip crane. Oh, no. Okay. No. Open quad thruster. <laughs> Got it. Darn socks. Yes! Yeah. No, you did it! Quad thruster. Sector two. I would like to I would like to applaud Maddie for her leadership. Andrew. I like, Andrew. I, Andrew. I like that. No, Maddie, that was all you. That was all you. All right. Oh, here we go. Prepare oh, to instructions. Okay. Going again. Turn okay. on servo through oh, sorry. No, engage turbo cage. Submerge phase room. Yeah, somebody submerge phase room. Nope. Oh my god. What? Phase what boom? Phase boom. Phase boom. Oh, sorry. Okay. Got it. Who, who's. I can't read. Servo. Who, go ahead. Oh god. Kyle. Turn, turn on servo thruster. Oh, that's. Oh. Oh, I got it. S set set thermo vortex to one. We're dead. Oh god. We just got hit by an asteroid. Ah. Oh jeez. Ah. Uh, thermo vortex to one. Okay. No. Activate chromo battery. No. Uh, oh shoot. Okay, got it. Set got fuse it. grill to two. Oh wait, I got that. Engage rim board. Get out of my way. Oh uh, my god. One of my. Collect mail. Collect mail. <laughs> oh my God. Discharge time alarm. Okay. Well. Soak prime Set. curtain. No. Oh, got it. Set fuse gate coolant to two. Okay. Okay. Got it. Turn off. Servo Everybody thruster. shake. Everybody shake. 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 Oh, nice. we're safe. Safe. Uh, is it my turn yet? Turn off servo thruster. I don't know. We kind of got lost. How about increase gravity coil to two? Oh, I got. Oh, I got that one. Deactivate phase boom. <laughs> phase boom. Oh, I got that. Enable got start that. thruster. <gasps> Wait. Okay. No, I don't have. Set stand drum to one. No. Deflate pedicular. Oh, I got that. Set stun drum to zero. That's me. Got it. Soak prime curtain. <laughs> no. <laughs> Keep soaking. Turn the on curtain. beveled spoke. No. Turn on servo thruster. Uh, yeah. Servo thrusters on. Set ambin nozzle turn off, to sorry, five. Turn off. Set ambin nozzle to five. All, All right. right. Uh, activate phase boom again. Oh, I can't reach it. All right. Got, got it. it. Engage rim board. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got that one. Increase thermo vortex to one. I got that one too. Decrease Wait. gravity coil to one. Defl oh, I got that one too. Defa deflate pedicular. <laughs> I just wanted to say my Okay. Oh man. Okay. Okay, guys. The team broke down a little bit in that one. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Perhaps Maddie should have, as the elected, not so elected leader, she probably should have stepped in and said, "Hey, mm -hmm. I'm in All charge right. here. here I'm on the start. Go, 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 go. All right. Set shock gauge to one. Uh. Okay. Nope. No. All right. Uh, trigger done. spectrocoupling. Set Meserac to full power. Okay. Oh my gosh. Exchange uh, your plan grind planetary intergyro. Got it. Oh god. I uh, set specto preg to one. Oh, I got that one. Connect auto tackle. I had that one. Uh, set twin pocket to one. Secrete okay. arc boom. Oh, I got the same one. Secrete arc boom. 
Don't oh, I have that one. Deliver too. bridge hole. Oh, secrete. Hey, there we go. Everybody oh, I got a bridge shake. hole. I got a bridge hole. Shake, shake. Safe. Safe. Okay. Ta- uh, okay, so go ahead. There. I uh, engage prism um, prism quartz. Got it. <laughs> I can't Increase read. air rack to one. Okay. Set spectopreg to three. Air rack to oh, one. Do I, I can't sp- reach it. I can't get Set. it. Uh, engage transmitter chimney. Mix arc boom. Mix. Mm-hmm. Set twin pocket to maximum. Ooh, okay. Set Kylo Blender to two. Uh, disengage transmitter chimney. Got it. Disengage grid gyro. No. Kylo Blender. Kylo Blender. Kylo Blender. What do we do with that? Oh, God. Okay. What do I do to the, about that? I don't know. <laughs> deliver bridge hole. Bridge hole. Okay. No. I'll deliver bridge Set hole. Set plasma hoop to one. Okay. Oh, my Kylo Blender. Set air up. rack to three. Uh, I can't reach my air rack. Oh, there Set we go. Set shock gauge to three. Set specto preg to one. Oh, okay, I can do that. Set plasm hoop to maximum. Set mesorack to zero. Uh, tie down heavy objects. Got it. Trigger spectro coupling. Enable time canal. Okay. Disengage prism quartz. Set plasma hoop to one. Okay. Clean fuse spring. We oh, did it! Yay! Okay, I think we've uh, I think we've proven that we have team skills. Oh mm-hmm. god. Uh was a chromatic aver- okay, never mind. <laughs> Wait. Drew's like Drew's still playing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm playing by myself. Drew got, got this guy. Drew got, got lost it. in hyperspace. I will not stop. <laughs> <laughs> we proven we have team skills, and uh, and that some of us are cut out for leadership, and some are cu- some of us are cut out to follow. I, for instance, mm. am cut out definitely <laughs> to not play this game. <laughs> we'll be putting a link to all the topics we've discussed in this episode show notes at theshortcode.com. But for now, that is our show. Maddie, Nick, Kyle, Druve, thank you so much for being on the show today. See ya. See ya. Yeah. You're welcome. Bye. And thank you, for listeners, for making us part of your week. If you like what you heard today, we hope we've earned your subscription. Not only do we give out free advice, it might even be good advice. So send your questions or whatever you like to the shortcuts at gmail.com, or you can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. And don't forget to include your to contribute your recipes for med school success by visiting the shortcode.com and clicking on the orange send in a recipe button just like Britta did with their shrimp risotto and Sarif mm. Sarif did Ooh. with their deconstructed ratatouille mm. and why not Very right now sir. what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> no idea but can't wait to try and why not right now while your podcast app is open give us some stars and a review just like Apprentice MD did last week I appreciate that oh and mansplainer mansplainer hater <laughs> Man- forgot about mansplainer <laughs> the show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine student government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week.